Greetings. Thank you all for returning to this week's new study episode titled, Titus, Final Instructions. I am Pastor John, welcoming our returning international audience. We also extend a warm welcome to all our new listeners here for the first time. Thank you all for listening. May you all be blessed of God. I have a quick note. We are very pleased to let you know we have a new microphone from Sennheiser. We, here in our studios, are very impressed with the quality and sound quality of this microphone. We may be making some minor changes to our sound quality as needed for preventing things like plosives and other unwanted artifacts that do not grace our sound. However, please enjoy our better sound. Also, please check our show notes for links to our home website and other information you may want to know. Our show notes are found with every episode. We are located on 22 platforms. Check out the list under the podcast menu item on our homepage found at unchurched.site123.me. Last week, March 28th, we studied the summary of the letter. In the next-to-last episode, Scripture and Commentary said we are instructed to, quote, insist on such truths, end quote, and we are to, quote, strongly affirm that the ones believing God should take thought to maintain good works, end quote. We also found, to better drive home the point, that we are not to be lazy in our walk in Christ. Some might call it being intentional with reference to the intentional movement. We found reference to the intentional movement is not what Scripture is saying at all. It is Easter. May it be a blessed time for you all. He has risen. He has risen indeed. Despite coronavirus or COVID-19, may it be a very blessed time for you all. This week, we are in our last portion of our study in the book of Titus. While this last portion may not seem to you to bear any real strength of study, we will see this is definitely not the case. In Scripture, we read, When I send Artemis or Tychicus to you, do your best to come to me at Nicopolis, for I have decided to spend the winter there. Make every effort to help Zenos, the lawyer, and Apollos on their way. Make sure they have what they need. Here is another way that our people can learn to engage in good works to meet pressing needs and so not be unfruitful. Everyone with me greets you. 
Greet those who love us in the faith. Grace be with you all. From Titus chapter 3, verses 12 through 15. In verses 12 and 13, Paul gives a real-life example of good works in action. Then he qualifies this in verse 14 when we read, Here is another way that our people can learn to engage in good works to meet pressing needs and so not be unfruitful. Let's start at the beginning to fully see what is said here in these last verses of Titus. Commentary reads, He, meaning Paul, desires Titus to come to him in Nicopolis from Crete, but not before he had sent thither Artemis of Tychicus to officiate in his place. Wonderful care of the holy apostle, and a mighty concern for the welfare of the churches. St. Paul very well knew how fatal and dangerous it might be to the churches to be left destitute of their spiritual guides, though for a very small time. St. Paul knew the malice of the devil, the subtility or subtleness of seducers, and the weakness of Christians' faith too well to give all or any of them advantages of doing mischief on the absence of Titus from them. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. Three things are said here that we need to take notice. Commentary opened with He, meaning Paul, desires Titus to come to him in Nicopolis from Crete, but not before he had sent thither Artemis of Tychicus to officiate in his place. Wonderful care of the holy apostle and a mighty concern for the welfare of the churches. Do we, who are outside church right now, for many reasons, still have a care for the church? Those in Christ like us who, for any of many reasons, find ourselves unchurched? Or those who find themselves in a church? If in church, Do you care about the church you attend today as Paul cared for the churches he was a part of in his day? Is your care anything like Paul's care for the churches he was a part of and a leader in? Is it regardless of your present state of being in a church or unchurched? We do not have to be a leader in a church to care for it. Not even like Paul to care for the church. If all we do is attend a church, we should also, at the very least, care for it enough to pray for it regularly. That is the least we can do. However, many Americans attend church only for the appearance it creates in the minds of others who view them. Being a churchgoer in America can boost sales in a business. It can also boost positive opinion of the person going to church 
in the minds of those watching by creating a false persona. Even if sprinkled with truths to make the whole false persona more credible, thereby making it easier to think of someone that way, thus making it more believable in the end game. While not all, many Americans and many in business create the persona they believe their potential customers will grab. Then, such customers will make quick assumptions, right or wrong, based on what they see and hear in the person they are looking at. Then, they quickly do business with them whether that business person abides by truth or not. The problem is found in those who do not abide in the full truth whether they truly are saved or not. Paul was wise to such shenanigans in people. That is why Paul had a mighty concern for the welfare of the churches. That is something we all should take heed of in our care for the church we also attend. However, if we are unchurched, like so many are today, we still need to care for the church. Also, as unchurched people, we should care for those who sincerely know God and presently are unchurched. They will falter, as Paul noted, of the churches if Artemis of Tychicus did not come to fill in for Paul during his absence in Nicopolis. These churches in question could falter badly. Our second point is found in this commentary comment. St. Paul very well knew how fatal and dangerous it might be to the churches to be left destitute of their spiritual guides, though for a very small time. In America, we have small groups for the primary purpose of bolstering personal instruction. They used to meet once a week. Then, small group meetings fell to twice a month. At my last look at the issue of small groups, many met only once a month. The leaders frequently left someone else in charge of such small groups, while they, the leader of the group, did something else. The result? Many of these small groups fell into sinful ways and thinking. The building up these small groups were designed for was almost non-existent to totally absent. This is the destitute state of being without spiritual guides, of which Paul is speaking. Paul knew this was a greatly problematic state for God's people. He also addressed it in his living and work he did for God. In modern times, we have lost the knowledge and reality of how fatal and dangerous this issue is. It is, in many cases, why the church, whatever church you may attend, has dissipated into the quagmire we find them in or disappeared altogether. Again, not every church, but many. We need to reacquaint ourselves with this issue, with the proper regard and desire to fix it. If not, hope for our churches is dying. Statistical evidence of this is all too supportive of this reasoning. 
This is so not good for God's people and churches. The third comment we want to also examine read, St. Paul knew the malice of the devil, the subtility or subtleness of seducers, and the weakness of Christians' faith too well to give all or any of them advantages of doing mischief on the absence of Titus from them. Therein is the, quote, how, end quote, in how this happens. The subtility or subtleness of seducers and the weakness of Christians' faith. For clarity, that is, Christians, as in multiple people, more than one. Those of us who are saved for any length of time should understand the subtility or subtleness of seducers. This is the point we need to really understand, if nothing else, in this study podcast. To better understand what a seducer is, the word seducer means one that by temptation or arts entices another to depart from the path of rectitude and duty, preeminently one that by flattery promises or falsehood. That which leads astray, that which entices to evil. This word meaning for seducer shows clearly just how fitting the talk of seducers is. At best, half-truths and half-falsehoods cleverly mixed together to make a really strong and truthful-sounding story, regardless of the fact that it is false. One that is totally believable, but, at best, filled with only half-truth. Yet, the bottom line, a mix of truth and falsehood designed cleverly to draw us away from our foundation in Jesus Christ, even to the point of a subtle poisoning of God's Word, the Bible. Done well, as many do, this leads God's people astray from what is real truth. To be perfectly clear, some mean really well to those they instruct and or counsel. They try hard and yet fail in some way, sometimes. For that, we need to see the intent of such people. If their intent is the outcome of good works, then, while not perfect, they mean well. Such people need forgiveness and maybe instruction. Not hard harshness and possibly being outcast until they get on board with the program as it is presented in a particular body of believers, but, as we have seen in much scripture, guidance, teaching, and caring instruction. This is how we answer the call laid out in commentary regarding the subtility or subtleness of seducers and the weakness of Christians' faith. We can seem, in our own eyes and mind, to be strong. However, in truth, we are not as strong as we think. Strength comes with much time and learning. 
I have been a born-again Christian for over 48 years. This means I need to be looking back on those younger in Christ than myself. Carefully and caring, providing instruction to those who need to learn what I already know. Even in pandemic times, what are you doing with what you presently have in your mental wallet and heart wallet of biblical knowledge and the sharing of what you own? Commentary tells us more. St. Paul knew the malice of the devil, the subtility of seducers, and the weakness of Christians' faith too well to give all or any of them advantages for doing mischief on the absence of Titus from them. From Expository Notes with Practical Observations on the New Testament by William Burkett. We also find Christianity is not a fruitless profession, and its professors must be filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ to the glory and praise of God. They must be doing good, as well as keeping away from evil. Let ours follow some honest labor and employment to provide for themselves and their families. Christianity obliges all to seek some honest work and calling and therein to abide with God. The Apostle concludes with expressions of kind regard and fervent prayer. Grace be with you all, the love and favor of God, with the fruits and effects thereof according to need, and the increase and feeling of them more and more in your souls. Grace is the chief thing to be wished and prayed for with respect to ourselves or others. From Matthew Henry's Concise Commentary on the Whole Bible, Public Domain. In our first commentary passage of William Burkett, we notice three things that Paul knew. We see that we are already looking at these things, but now they are added too. We see the following three things. The malice of the devil, the subtility or subtleness of seducers, the weakness of Christian's faith, meaning more than one Christian. Now, notice the meaning for the word malice. It means a desire to harm others or to see others suffer, extreme ill will or spite, evil intent. In law, it means the intent to commit an unlawful act without justification or excuse, an improper motive for an action such as desire to cause injury to another. From the Free Dictionary by Farlex. Further, it means evil, extreme enmity of heart, or malevolence, a disposition to injure others without cause, from mere personal gratification or from a spirit of revenge. Unprovoked, 
malignity, or spite, to regard with extreme ill will. From Noah Webster's 1828 Dictionary of American English, Public Domain. Are there people defined this way in the church you attend? In America, I have found such people not only attending a church, but they are found in leadership and in teaching positions. In the hope they find the proper way in God, I do not object to their attending any church. However, to lead and teach without the necessary correction is where I have a problem with such people. These are the type of people that Paul was concerned about, of which we read about in Scripture as well as further in commentary. Why do I think this way? Remember what the word, quote, malice, end quote, means? A desire to harm others or to see others suffer. The intent to commit an unlawful act without justification or excuse. That seems so blatant, yet this is exactly the kind of thing that simmers out of direct sight to those it is happening in, which is why they do not realize what is happening. It is the spiritual equivalent of putting a frog in water and slowly turning up the temperature. The frog's body temperature compensates for this action until it kills the frog. The analogy is that spiritually we are taught to lose sight of what is most important. We do not see it happening until we are finally so far off the correct path that we finally notice it. Herein is how we get lost on our way home to Christ and heaven. Without the forgiveness of Christ, we would be lost for certain. In closing, let us also remember these words from Matthew Henry's concise commentary on the whole Bible, public domain. He said, Let, quote, ours, unquote, follow some honest labor and employment to provide for themselves and their families. Christianity obliges all to seek some honest work and calling, and therein to abide with God. Grace is the chief thing to be wished and prayed for with respect to ourselves or others. We are not to be unemployed if work for us is available. Right now, in pandemic times, work is simply not available for millions of Americans as well as for peoples of other countries. Then, there are some Americans that have found work resulting in a 50 to 80% loss of their original income. This has been gravely devastating to those affected by this pandemic. Without good works, witnessing to these people will be fruitless. The best witness we have for these people is our caring for them if we are unharmed by this pandemic. What are those who are unharmed by this pandemic doing for others? People need real food as well as spiritual food. Yet without real food, 
you will never be able to feed them spiritually. What are you doing? Quote, Grace is the chief thing to be wished and prayed for with respect to ourselves or others. Unquote. As a practical witness to others, what grace are you extending to your family and others? Next week, we will look at the Bible and if it says anything about coronavirus or, as many call it, COVID-19. This will be more than a three-part study because of how this next scripture passage speaks. May you all be blessed this Easter. May it all be a great time for you, your family, and friends, even while in a pandemic. Play or download next week's episode, A Pandemic and Bible Prophecy, Part 1, from one of our podcast hosts, or follow direct links to these platforms on our website under the podcast menu item. Details follow. All Bible quotes without a citation are from the New English Translation Free Version. Also, please check our show notes for links to our website and other information you may want to know. This study podcast is a wholly self-funded outreach presented by the Church of the Unchurched, currently an all-electronic Boston-based outreach uniting the community of lost, searching, lonely, and forgotten in Christ. We greatly appreciate serving our international audience. God bless you all. If you are visiting for the first time, welcome, and God bless you. We look forward to the return of all our faithful listeners and new listeners. Thank you all so much. Please share our podcast with family, friends, and others you believe would find it a blessing. If you are unsaved, we truly hope you find God, as well as receiving Him as Lord and Savior of your life. Please find a short link to our episode titled, How to Be Saved, at the bottom of any episode description. To learn more about us and who we are, give our episode titled, Introduction, About Us, Who We Are, a listen. In that episode, you will learn more about us, who we are reaching out to, our mission, vision, ministry, and more. Again, a short link to this episode is found at the bottom of any episode description. If you go to our internet homepage, under the podcast menu item, you can find many popular podcast platforms we are found on. We are located at this internet address, unchurched.site one two three dot m e at present we are located on 22 podcast sites so you should be able to find us on a platform you like we refresh our feeds with every weekly episode upload on sunday these sites update our feed within 24 hours of our refresh now May our Lord Jesus Christ himself and God our Father, who loved us and by grace gave us eternal comfort and good hope, encourage your hearts and strengthen you in every good thing you do or say. Until next week, this is Pastor John 
for the Church of the Unchurched.